Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, if you are passing the baskets, go ahead and do that. Hey, my friends, I hope you are doing well. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's so good to be with you. Today's going to be a little different uh, in a couple ways. The first half of the message is going to feel a little less messagey. <laughs> is that all right? Is that a word? And then the second half will be, we're going to kind of get more into the message and, and get into a topic today that um, I really just called the message today, new, new chapter. And I want to talk about turning points that we endure and encounter and experience in life. Because I know some of you, how many of you are like, you, you, you have experienced some change in recent years or in recent days in your life. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk about these turning points that come in life. Um, and or if you're not, if you haven't experienced change in some time, uh, get ready because you probably are about to, right? That's just the way life goes. But before we get into that, we are starting a new chapter of our own around here. Um, we have a lot of things coming that I want to discuss. And so like I said, this first half, I want to get into that. So if you're new around here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, you get to hear a little bit about um, just some, it's a little bit of a family kind of discussion of some news and some updates of what's coming and around the corner. And the first thing I want to talk about is the obvious thing. In two Sundays from today, we will begin meeting at OKC, or excuse me, OKC Community, but we'll start meeting at the Tower. And so a few practical things I want to cover as we prepare to move over there uh, in two Sundays. The first thing, which we've mentioned so many times, but you can't over-communicate change, um, is 1030 uh, will be our new worship gathering. We'll have one service starting February 2nd. We're excited about having one gathering together. I mean, we have two services like this, and to have everybody together, I mean, the 11 is full of amazing people. The 930 has some all right people that you're going to enjoy meeting. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you'll get to meet some of these people that you'll be like, okay, I mean, I guess, I guess you're cool. Um, so that is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I just want to mention a couple quick things about the change kids ministry. Uh, there's not any change in terms of location, but we have kind of upped the game in security, and we have a new check-in and check-out process, so parents help us kind of live into those new policies. Our security team will be making necessary uh, adjustments as well. And then, you know, with our doorway that's going in, um, the biggest reason we're putting it the right where it's at is because we wanted to have quick access to kids, and uh, so parents, you'll still be really close to your kids, uh, even when we're next door. And by the way, our doorway project is is coming, and everybody's like, when is that coming in? It's a very short renovation project. They will not begin it actually until January 27th. So the week of the move, believe it or not, it will be done by February 2nd. I mean, I'm gonna be working all night. It's kind of just, I'm just doing this by myself. I'm just <laughs> saving the church money. You know, that's what I do. Um, <clears throat> so um, serve teams, I wanna mention that. If you're currently on a serve team, most cases, you're just going to be, both services are combining, so you're on the same team, same week, all those sorts of things. If there's any changes, we'll be talking to you. You'll be looking for emails, all that kind of stuff. I will mention, if you are if you want to get plugged into a team, this is a great time to do it. Um, if you're like a light expert, I'll just mention this. If you love lights and you're in production, like let us know. We have a new whole light system we're going to be learning how to do over there, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is just invite others. Um, we have more space to reach more people. And the whole heart of why we're even going over there is not just because we want more space, but it's because there's an evangelistic hope to see more people come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? That's why we're doing this. And we hope you'll be inspired to invite people to come. Uh, tomorrow we will be making a uh, kind of a, 
an announcement on social media that, which, you know, is no big deal, but to finally say this out publicly, and, and if you've been with us, this was the third leg of our Let There Be Light campaign in which we're going to be external storytelling and, and talking about what God's doing in this place. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of content out there that you can share on social media, a lot of video, a lot of, you know, posts of things like that. And then you, of course, grab that and share that on your own. You can invite friends with that kind of stuff. You can do all those sorts of things. But we would, inc- we would really say, like, um, this is a season in which we just say, Hey, God, I mean, this is what you have. We feel like inviting people into this is a gift. This church is a gift. I mean, just the other day, um, Christy and I were at a store, and we were just talking to a woman, and, and Christy invited her to church. And, you know, that you just never know when the Lord's going to open a door just to kind of share the gift that you have of community because that's what this is. And whenever we don't share it, we're kind of being a little bit, you know, well, I don't want to say we're selfish, but we're definitely not stepping into the thing that God has for us, I think, in terms of our opportunity to share these things. And so that that is going on. So that's some of the things that we wanted to share about that. There's more details coming we'll share next week, some parking adjustments and things like that. Um, but it's a lot of good stuff. The next thing I want to talk about is this cool card right here. Why don't you pull it out if you have uh, that in the seat back in front of you. It's called Get Involved. And I want to just talk about it a few moments. And like I said, the first half of this message is just a little different. We're talking about some things that are hopefully helpful and orient to you to some really good things. But I'm very excited about what's on this card. Um, I want you to soak it in. I want you to read it. I want you to, like, meditate on it and pray on it. You know what I mean? I want you to, I want you to memorize it. Is that too much? I don't know. But, um, but here's the thing. I want you to know how excited we are because this represents so much that has been going on. For seven or eight months, we've been kind of retooling and rethinking how we do groups and discipleship and equipping around here. A lot of you are aware of that. And here we are finally kind of with a, the big next step in this. And on this card, you'll see basically four categories of getting involved. You'll see connect groups, equip groups, alpha and serve teams and ministries. And these four categories represent a whole bunch of different ways to get involved. Uh, many of you are already involved, but in some ways, um, this will be a season in which you get involved in, in new ways and in hopefully even more uh, effective ways. But I want to talk just about the group section, which is the, the, the side of the page that says get involved with connect groups and equip groups. Um, two big things I want you to know, and I know you're reading through it, so hopefully you catch some of these things I say. But two things I want you to know is, one, we have a lot of different types of groups now. Um, it's not just, hey, we have small groups, and they're all pretty much the same. They go through, you know, curriculum, probably the same curriculum, and they meet at different times with different groups of people. There's a lot of variety of types of groups. Some of them meet in different uh, different kind of rhythms and routines. Um, and the, really the big heart behind a connect group is that we want you to have friendship and unity and spiritual encouragement. And the second thing I want you to notice is that we are kind of going to a little bit more of a semester-based focus where there will be easier and more frequent on-ramps is what we've been calling them, where people can get in and get plugged in easier. And then there's also what we're calling off-ramps, where there's stopping points where people will know everything's stopping right now and it's going to restart again in a couple months. And so at the end of each semester, you'll see a stopping point where if someone wants to change up the group or change the thing they're doing or the season that they had is about to get a lot busier, it's an easy place to make changes. And so those are some things that we think are really important. Um, So when you look at our 13, 14, 15, I don't know how many connect groups are there, starting in February, they go through May and June, then there's that stopping point, and then they'll start back, and some new ones will start back, or some will stop, some will keep going um, back into the fall. So basically, we're just going to have a whole bunch of different kinds of connect meetups all over the city with the purpose to get you connected um, with other believers and friendship and unity and spiritual encouragement. 
So this will all be available on the website here in the next uh, day or two. And so you'll see this there as well. But I just want to say I'm very, very grateful for all the, I mean, there's some people that aren't even on this list quite yet, but all the people that have said yes, they want to lead one of our groups. I mean, thank you if you're one of those. Thank you so much. I mean, I mean, it's pretty awesome when people connect and, and step up and do this sort of thing. But um, there's a lot of really, really cool ideas on here and different ways for people to, to get connected. The next thing we have is equip groups. Um, I know you can read, but I just want to mention them. Uh, I think we're excited about this, to have different kinds of discipleship and equipping and connecting sort of opportunities. And you can see in the title of the name, they're very different purpose. One is about connection primarily, and one is about equipping primarily. And the equipping ones usually meet in a more concentrated amount of time. And you can see the first three that we're starting this next month are The Marriage You've Always Wanted, which is Scott and Angie are leading that. And it's for anybody that is... Uh, Married, of course, or maybe a newlywed or, or even engaged, we would encourage you to go to that and grow in your marriage. Um, the other options, we have a women's study called Seamless that Christy will be leading. Um, I'll be leading a, a, a course called The Prayer Course, which is rooted from 24-7 Pete Gregg content. That's, uh, it's really good stuff around the Lord's Prayer, but it's not a prayer meeting as much as it is a study about prayer. And then we practice some prayer together. And then, um, and then you'll see a ministry calling course that's listed that's going to be coming up in April that if you're interested or just, you know trying to figure out if ministry is in your future that would be a good thing for you to come to as well so those are some of the equipped courses we're doing and the the idea is that there's a variety and that you can do more than one thing you could do an equip group and a connect group if you see how these work and you really pay attention to the schedule of these things it really gives you a lot of flexibility to think about hey this would be a really good thing for me and I want to do more than one thing and I think I have the time to do it. So we tried to take all those things into consideration and the way these things are kind of put together. And so hopefully you find, you know, a lot of ways to get plugged in and involved. I also want to talk about two of the big time ways to get involved here. On the back side of the card, you'll see serve, uh, our serve teams and our ministries. Um, I always believe that serving is one of the best ways and easiest ways and that you should get involved. If you're wanting to get involved here, uh, get involved when you're already here. You're here on Sundays, so plug into something that we do. and uh, Or you can get involved in one of our ministries that you'll see, like Student Life or Ministry Care or other things. And finally, I want to talk about Alpha. Uh, Alpha is something we launched this last fall, and it's all about, peop it's all about a, an environment for people who have questions about life, faith, and meaning. And it was an amazing, amazing launch to Alpha. Like, like crazy good. Um, and some of you already heard some of the stories, but in case you haven't, we just have like a short one and a half minute video kind of talking a little bit from our, from our experience this last fall. And so I just thought we'd show it to you this morning. Um, and this was Alpha uh, this, last, this last fall. Alpha had such a huge impact on me. Um, it really allowed me to ask questions about what it means to serve as a Christian today, what it means to serve. And that was really important to me. And it also provided this amazing community that really allowed people to be brave and transparent and to hear others and be heard. Um, and that's something that I think is rare today. And um, Alpha provides that, which I think is lovely. It has really blessed me. It um, gave me an opportunity just to share my faith and just doubts and to invite others. I, I was able to invite my sister 
um, and she wouldn't have come otherwise just for the Alpha Weekend. She uh, gave her life to Christ and it was just an incredible time. She opened her heart to the Lord and she has been super excited ever since. The thing for me as an Alpha Leader this semester was getting to build relationships with this really diverse population and group of people that I hadn't known before. It's been really amazing to meet him for the first time at Alpha and see him now in our church and to form relationships moving forward and to hopefully do ministry and do life together. So Alpha is for anyone that's exploring faith, anyone that's new to faith, we would say this is where you should plug in, and uh, we'd love to get you involved there. So that's a lot of stuff coming at you today, right? I hope you're excited. Um, is anyone excited? I'm even more than excited. I'm like stoked. I'm like what you call amped. You know what I mean? Uh, like I just had three monster energy drinks. Can't you tell? Something like that. Uh, we are we're, we're excited about this. You can just check the circles of anything that's interesting to you, fill out the back and then turn it in. There's a table out front. We'd love to talk with you out there. You can drop them there. You can even ask more questions about it. So I have one more thing, and then and then it's uh, it's in, in into this message about new chapter. I want to invite two good friends, uh, Hannah and Leslie, up here. Uh, give them a hand as they come. So most of you know this, but Leslie Cook has been a part of our church since the very beginning, and she has done so many things for us. It's crazy how much, I mean, I often call her a Wonder Woman, um, and because she just is always covering all, so many things for us. And one of the things she's done from the beginning, though, is our kids' ministry, and has led it to lead a group of kids that know how to love God, and have, have a lot of leaders that teach kids about God, and has been an amazing, amazing part of our church. Um, and Hannah came on staff here back in August, and... Uh, one of the things that she, Leslie has done over the last year, though, is she has been taking on more and more leadership in the church with student life, and she's continued to do more and more with our graphics and our web development and our all the stuff we do in digital communication, which you know is a big, big thing. And have you ever heard the term spinning a lot of plates? <laughs> this is Leslie. And so we, um, we've just been saying, what do we, what's the future look like? And so when Hannah came on the team, we started praying about, like, maybe there's Maybe there's a future with the kids thing there. And so we asked her if that was something she was interested in. And so for the last five or so months, we've been kind of taking this easy road into this as potentially uh, of a transition of, of change. And so today we're excited to announce that the official baton pass is happening from Leslie to Hannah for kids ministry. And so we're really pumped about that. And we think this is a really great fit for Hannah. It's a really great fit for the uh, for the kids' ministry, and then we know that this is really great for Leslie and her continued growth and leadership and the things she does in this church. And so um, I just want to first say thanks to Leslie for six-plus years of leading kids' ministry. Amen? I mean, great job. Um, and now I want to pray for these two. I want to pray for both of them as they step into this new season of ministry. We just, if you want to, you can reach out a hand to them, and I'm just going to pray over them. Father, we just pray for these two women. Thank you for Leslie. Thank you for Hannah. And I just pray that, Lord, as you um, lead us forward, that, God, you would specifically uh, lead these two women uh, in these next in this next season of, of and who you've called them to be. So just fill them up with your spirit, fill them up with your, your guidance and wisdom and all the gifts that they're going to need to just continue to fulfill the things you've called them to. Thank you for the blessing they are to this church, and I pray this church 
um, would just continue to surround them with encouragement and love. And so, Lord, we, uh, we pray uh, a prayer of gratitude and thanks and hope for what's next. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, one more hand for them. Yes. Okay, so we just talked about a lot of things, and I have a 45-minute message. So let's see. Just kidding. All right. Um, where to go here? We are ending this series called 2020 today, um, and I'm calling this message New Chapter for a number of reasons. Uh, I want to talk about turning points in life, which for, is one of those things, like, as I thought about this message, I thought, I don't know if this is going to be relevant to everyone in the room, and then the more I thought about it, I thought, man, no, I don't know. I think for a lot of us, even if we are in the middle of a change or turning point in our life, we look back and we can see how God has been moving in our story and changing the, 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 thought, the trajectory we thought we were going. And there's sometimes these powerful, life-altering turning points. Sometimes there's these little degrees of change that come. And I just thought, you know, I think as any time we encounter these um, changes in life, God is often doing a new thing. God is often kind of starting a new chapter for us. And I just thought I'd talk about it because I feel like it's, uh, to be really honest, it's been... It's, there's some personal to it for me that I've been feeling like the Lord's been speaking to me about, and I thought, well, maybe that'll be helpful today, and it feels very uh, appropriate as we begin. Even though we're still in, we're getting further into the year, we're still near the beginning of a new year, that perhaps this is a new chapter for you, and so we're going to talk about that. Um, so, you know how a lot of people uh, say things like, oh, I love change. <laughs> change is the best. Oh, I don't hear that either. But um, uh, change is hard, isn't it? And even for those who say they like it, because some people do actually say they like change, and they intellectually like it, but emotionally, eventually, it, 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 all, it hits a wall at some point for most of us. And perhaps you are waiting on a change that needs to come. Perhaps you are hoping for change. Perhaps you are dreading change. Perhaps you are afraid of it, nervous about it, you're worried about it. And when you think about the turning points of the change or the new chapter, however we want to say it today, when you think about those throughout the course of our life, those are the moments that we talk about. Those are the moments that we remember. It's those really, really, really significant moments in life where things change, sometimes for the worse, sometimes, and hopefully, usually for the good. And this is, this is true in so many different things. I was thinking about movies. As you watch movies, there's the, there's the turning point in a movie, is there not? Like, you know, there's the moment where it's like, oh, yeah, that's where, where, the, where, the, you know, where the story turned. You think about Lion King. You know, there's a couple turning points in that movie. There's the moment when Mufasa dies, right, and Simba runs. That's a turning point. But then there's the next turning point whenever the, you know, Simba's wannabe girlfriend shows up in the jungle, Hakuna Matata in and all that. And she says, hey, you need to go back to Pride Rock and kick some scar tail, right? And so he does. I know a lot about that movie. <laughs> or there's, of course, Elf, everybody's favorite Christmas movie, right? Like, where's the turning point? The turning point comes at the very end. It's like it waits and waits and waits. And when is it? It's when his dad, Walter Hobbs, great name, by the way, one of the best movie names ever, when he finally believes that Buddy's an elf, everything changes, right? Or, or what about, right, in Titanic? <laughs> they hit the iceberg. 
that's what most people's change feels like, right? It's like everything's going down. Everything is chaos. Life is over as we know it, you know? Uh, by the way, Leonardo DiCaprio saved someone out of the ocean recently. Real story. Saved someone, but he couldn't save himself. That was a Titanic joke. And I thought, I did, I thought it was going to work. I didn't even rehearse it. It just came to me in the moment. It was Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> so what about historical turning points? I mean, this, we could talk forever about those historical turning points, right? The Allied forces, like, turned the tide in World War II against the Axis powers, Nazi and Imperial Japan. What if that turning point never happened? <laughs> that would, how different the world would be. Or American history, the Civil War, when we end legalized slavery. I mean, that was, that was a big turning point, of course. Or what about when a rural Jewish rabbi showed up and he taught a revolutionary way to live and then the Roman government arrests him, crucifies him, and he's put there by his own people and then he's killed on a cross and three days later he raises back to life and the news spreads and all of a sudden a new era of time and history is born and as we know it history itself was split in two by this very moment sometimes turning points change everything and i think for you in your life there's moments that can change everything and i think for some of us right now you're probably up against things coming in your life that i want to encourage you today that there are things that are not just the challenges of change there are the power and the promises of change as well. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because I think there's a lot of good things coming. Um, I was thinking about, and, and I don't want to make this about my life, but I think at, by any stretch, but I think it helps to kind of see someone's life and then kind of re reflect on your own. But I was thinking about the turning points of my own life. And, uh, and I'll just kind of map it out for you, but I was born, right? <laughs> that was a big one. Um, and then 14 years later, I moved to Oklahoma. And that was a turning point when we moved to Oklahoma because it changed everything about my life. About a year later, I gave my life to Jesus, and I was saved. And then a few years later, about four years later, I was, you know when you just kind of give your life to Jesus, but you don't really change a whole lot? You're like, yeah, Jesus is in my life now. I don't really know what to do with it. Well, four years later, it was like my, 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 my heart was awakened to the church and awakened to really the big picture of our faith. And then a few years later... I meet Christy, and, and, and we, we get married, of course, and about that same season of life, there was a ministry calling, and it was this, that was the trajectory of our life, and this turning point happened where we were like, we're all in for this thing called ministry for the rest of our life, and uh, we started life and doing that, and then parenthood hits just a few years later, and that, that changes things just a little bit, and then really, for 10 years, we just were doing ministry and being parents, and then all of a sudden, with a group of people that are in this room, and... Um, we started a church called OKC Community, and that changed everything once again, and, and we started going. So those are the, this would be more considered, these are almost, these are like the massive turning points. These are the volumes of my life, right? And some of you have those, you can say like volumes, and inside the volumes are chapters, right? There's a lot of twists and turns in this. They look a little bit more like this, don't they? Where it's like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really pretty, it's not, you know, but it's a lot, and every turn is almost like, a new story, a new turn, a new chapter happens in your life. And, and I think for a lot of you, if you were going to chart your life out and you were actually going to chart all those new chapters, you could see all the significant things that God has done and all the things that he's teaching you. 
And I, and I just believe that there's a constant story of change and new chapters and significant moments and new relationships that, that are between the major volumes of our life. And sometimes one of those feels, one of those turns can feel so significant that it feels like you're starting a new volume. But in, in reality, in perspective, when you look back, it's, it's just the start of a new chapter. And, and I just feel like some of you probably have new volumes coming, <laughs> but a lot of us, probably all of us, have a new chapter coming. Are you with me? I want to I go to uh, the, the book of Luke, chapter 9, for a moment. Um, in Luke 9, a moment occurs in the life and ministry of Jesus that is, is a significant turning point. It's actually called the transfiguration, which is... An interesting word for the moment, since it's so transformative, right? It's transfiguration obviously means uh, transformation, metamorphosis, change. But I'll read Luke 9, starting in verse 28, and I'm just going to kind of read some story here for a minute. And it says this in verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said, said this, he took Peter, James, and John, or excuse me, Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. So real quick. Eight days after what? Um, Jesus, eight days prior, for the first time, had told his disciples that he would have to suffer and die and that he would be resurrected in three days. That was a lot to take in in a conversation. You know what I mean? Uh, they had uh, kind of assumed that they understood what, that he was going to go establish his kingdom, and then all of a sudden he's telling them that he's going to die. Well, eight days after that, probably them going, is he really the Messiah? I don't know. He takes him up the mountain. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. So this is the transfiguration moment. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. All right. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then Luke says, he did not know what he was saying. And I love Luke's inclusion of the parenthetical, he did not know what he was saying. In other words, Peter's an idiot, right? That's basically what he's saying. Like, Peter's like, oh, this is a big deal. Let's build something, which is what every guy does when we don't know what else to do. <laughs> this is exciting. Let's build it. Uh, verse 34. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I, am cho I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves, and they did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. So this is, this is like, what a moment, right? This is crazy big. They're on the mountaintop. He transfigures his face in front of them. He's, like, glowing like lightning. You know, all these sort of things are going on. And the scriptures indicate that after this encounter, everything about Jesus' ministry changed. This is a turning point moment. He came down from the mountain, and, this, and something was different. Up to now, he had been teaching, he had been doing ministry, preaching, healing, all in the area north of the Sea of Galilee. He comes down to the mountain, down from the mountain, and he heads south. It's a different place. It's a different purpose. As Luke puts it in 9, chapter 9, verse 51, just a few verses later, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for, say it with me, 
Because remember, that's where everything was going to take place. Now he's been told this is where it's going to take place, and he resolutely says, that's where I'm headed. Changing direction in this moment, right? I'm going to keep reading because I love this part. Verse 52, and he sent messengers on ahead of him who went into a Samaritan village to get the things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for, say it with me, Hmm. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? Which is just interesting. Like, why would they even say this? They had just been on the mountain, saw his face transfigured. They're like, they heard someone say, this is the Lord. You know, I mean, this is my son who I'm well pleased. They were like, dude, you're like the son of God. You want to smoke these people or what? That's what they're thinking. And Jesus rebukes them in the name of Jesus. Like, this is good news that Jesus rebukes that. I think sometimes it's like the, the subtleties are nice, right? Like, no, he doesn't want to smoke them. He has other plans. And then he had his disciples and they went to another village. Just a couple other verses to show you that Jesus himself encountered a turning point because I think it's good to know that when you have big turning points to know that, you know, our, our Savior identifies so Luke 13, 22, then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to, say it, Luke 17, 11, now on his way to, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Luke 18, 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near. Luke 19, 28, after Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to, Luke 19, 41, as he approached, okay, like it, it dwindled. All of you were saying it, and then like seven. So we're going to try that one again. Luke 19, 41. As he approached, and he saw the city, he wept over it. Can you imagine why he wept over it? He had been resolutely set for Jerusalem on a journey, and he finally gets to it. And he sees the city, and he actually goes on to talk about how he, was, he wished that he could gather them under his wings like a mother hen gathers chicks under his wings but he knows he can't because he knows that he's going to have to suffer and die and he weeps over the city i could give you endless examples in the scriptures that represent significant turning points in the lives of people throughout the bible and the reason this is important because something God uses them. God does something with change. God does something with the with these transformative moments, these turning points. He does something with them. And if you're not, if you're avoiding change, if you're avoiding turning points, if you're avoiding new chapters, guess what? You're avoiding potentially the power and the promise of God, which we're going to get to in a second. The fact that we would actually say, Lord, what's the new thing you want to be doing? What's the new work you want to be doing in me? What's the transformative thing, the, trans, the transformative thing you want to do in me? That should be our desire because God wants to give us new, new passions and new purposes and new journeys in which we get to go resolutely towards something. Are you with me? So I could talk about Jacob wrestling with God and him bringing him homeless. I could talk about David confessing his sin and 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 and. and owning his own unfaithfulness to God and, and repenting of it. I could talk about Moses stepping into a story he never saw coming, right? I could talk about Peter failing miserably, but then Jesus restoring him. I could talk about the radical salvation of Paul and how Jesus met him. And every one of those stories is an example of transformation. But the three quick things that I want to touch on that I've already mentioned a couple times, but we'll just put it on screen as kind of a clear point. 
I want to talk about the problems, the power, and the promise of change and starting a new chapter because I think for a lot of us, we really have experienced this and we have to be reminded of what will happen uh, every time change is upon us and a new chapter is coming, we can expect this process. You're going to encounter problems. And like I said earlier, change is hard and change is sometimes incredibly difficult. And um, I would even say even as a church, I mean, this, as we even have this small change, which is just changing a, a room we meet in, and as we even have new things that we're trying to do, we can see the, the problems that that creates and the challenges that creates for people. But we can put this in any application. I think, you know, as our favorite NBA team endured change this last year, it caused some pain for some of us, right? Like, we can, we can, we can do whatever we want. We can say whatever we want. The change is a challenge. But um, in the case of Jesus, he was not immune to the challenges of change. Think about it. He encountered all sorts of them. There were people saying, do not come to our town. As soon as he changes direction, there are people saying, don't even come here. We don't want you here. The closer he got to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the greater the opposition. The Pharisees started coming out of the woodworks to oppose him, to test him, to monitor him. It says this in Luke 19, 47. It says that the chief priests were looking for a way to kill him. Uh, this was even before he got to Jerusalem. Luke 22, one of, his, one of his closest disciples, we know the story of Judas, betrays him. That's a big problem, right? Before he was crucified, the rest of his disciples, they deserted, they fleed. And his closest even denied. And those are problems because change is hard. And the disciples, I think in some ways, maybe I can relate to this, but they didn't really want change because I'm sure they were looking back going, man, you remember when ministry was like, was like at the north side of the Sea of Galilee? That was, that was awesome. We were just hanging out like we were Jesus all the time. Remember that time he like got all those fish and that bread? I mean, it was like, that was a good meal. You know, I mean, can you imagine, like, they didn't have a lot of opposition then. It was just miracles. It was just ministry. It was just preaching. Everybody's going crazy. But then whenever, whenever he said south, everything started changing. And, and, the, and the climax of the story is when it's like, when it got to the moment when change was coming, Jesus was going to change everything, they all ran. And I get it. Because the first reaction is not always the right reaction. When we find, though, that the power behind these new chapters is just right around the corner from problems. I mean, think about Jesus and the, I mean, the disciples. Like within, within just days, they saw the greatest transfiguration story of all time. He's now dead, and now he's not. <laughs> he's alive. It was a new day and a new reality and the start of a brand new chapter for all of humanity and history. And this power that comes, we get to see the power of God. Now, again, we could talk all about all sorts of stories throughout Scripture, and I'll mention a couple in a moment, but there's all sorts of power that comes with change. But then the promises that God brings. Sometimes it's promises of just, I'm sure in those moments, the disciples were remembering all the things that Jesus said. I think it's why John recorded them. They're called, you know, these I am statements when he goes, oh yeah, I remember when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's going he's gonna to take care of us. He's going to provide what we need. Remember when he said that I am the resurrection and the life? He is going to have power over death. You remember when he said, I am the gateway to the kingdom of God? 
It is through him that we find salvation. That's why he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You remember when he said, I am the light of the world, that whoever walks in darkness, they will not walk in darkness any longer when they find me. And so he just goes on and he goes on. He says, I am the good shepherd. I will guide you in life. I am the true vine. And they remembered these promises that Jesus had spoke. But there's promises that God gives us in his word. There's promises of the things he said. But then there's the promises that we discover along the way as we journey with him. I think about moments like when Peter was with uh, Jesus. And, and Scott preached on this last week. But he talked about the moment whenever, whenever Jesus asked Peter to drop his nets into the deep. There was a promise with that. It's not going to come up empty. In fact, it's going to come up full of abundance. And I'm going to change everything about your life, Peter. Or when the Holy Spirit directed Paul to go west instead of east. It's a turning point, right? Why did he do that? Well, one theory is that the Holy Spirit directed Paul to west because that's where the Roman and Greek cultures existed, which were the dominant cultures of the world. And the Holy Spirit said, let's just go there and shape the whole world pretty quick. That's one theory. But one thing is, is that it was a turning point. Or when Moses was led to the edge of the Red Sea and he was told to raise his staff, what was the promise? You can trust me no matter what, right? I will rescue my people. The greatest example in the scriptures of a group of people who struggled through change is, of course, the people that Moses was with, the people, the Israelites. If you don't know these stories, I apologize. I know I've referenced a lot of stories in the scriptures today, but, 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 they were rescued from Egypt. They, 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 they walked out of Egypt. We know this story. And almost immediately, they begin going, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Too much, too fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like looking back going, I don't know. We need to maybe go back to Egypt. At least there they had food. And, and there, was this, there was this journey that they were on. And every time they encountered a problem, they didn't look ahead to potentially the promise that God had them. Because guess what? They had already heard the promise. God had given them a promised land, right? They had already heard the promise. They were like doubting the promise. And instead looking back to the past. And they were saying, maybe, I need to, maybe, maybe we just need to go back to Egypt. And finally God said, fine, fine. You don't believe my signs of power the times that I've parted the Red Sea, the, the, the bread that I've given. I mean, he's just done so much for them. He says, fine, you're not going to enter the kingdom, or you're not going to, excuse me, enter the promised land. And he makes them wait for 40 years, and he gives it, of course, to the next generation. But I just believe sometimes when we're in the middle of problems, there are signs of his power that we miss. And I don't know if that's you today, but maybe for you, if you're in the middle, I, I'm speaking to the ones that are in the middle of a change right now. If you're in the middle of a change, you're in the middle of a transition, you're in the middle of starting a new chapter, and you're just kind of like feeling the weight of it all. Um, first of all, I get it. I think Jesus gets that. And I also think that I would say to you, like, don't miss the power because of the problems. That there's, there's power somewhere in there for you. And you just need to find it, you need to point to it, and you need to celebrate it, and you need to give God glory for it. Because he's 
never going to leave you. What was the message at the Red Sea? I will rescue you. You can trust me no matter what. And, and, and for some of us, I think that's where we're at. We just need to look for the power. And then for others of us, we're like, yeah, I, I, I think I see God moving. I'm recognizing him. Well, be ready. Be ready because he's going to let you enter into the promise. And I just believe this. I believe um, that God has a new chapter coming, and it's full of his power and his promises. And it's found when we relentlessly trust him and we faithfully obey him. So, my friends, I want to pray, and I want to give you a time to respond to this. So if you just bow your heads. This is one of those messages that I, I just think it's really easy to kind of point you to prayer right now. But if you're in a season in which you, uh, you feel like this is very relevant to you, meaning you are, you are either coming up on or you're in the middle of changes and turning points and perhaps even the start of new chapters, if that's where you're at and you're already identifying with that, I would encourage you today to not leave here without just spending some time in prayer. I just believe in that. I even believe when we corporately pray or when we come together in a gathering like this and we pray, there's, there's something that, that, that often can break through in those moments when, we will, when we, will, um, we will pray with another person or we'll pray in an altar. And so I want to encourage you to come in just a moment and pray and just say, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm, I'm in need of you right now, and I want to relentlessly trust you, and I want to faithfully obey you through this season of change. And if that's where you're at, this altar's open. Our prayer team is here. If you're not um, really in that kind of season, if today is like, oh, yeah, these are all good things, but this isn't really where my life is right now, if this isn't particularly timely for you, I would just say this then. Maybe while we worship in just a moment, you can just say, hey, God, we're aware that our church community is in a season of change. Well, can we experience power and can we experience your promise together? as a church. So if that's where you're at, if you're like, hey, I can pray for our church, then do that. And so I just want to give you a few moments to do that as we worship. And so I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll do that. God, we pray that as we give you these moments and we respond to you um, humbly and in a submitted way that, Father, you would bring things to mind that are important for us right now. And that, Lord, we'd be willing to step uh, out of our seat if we need to and just to pray before you, Father, um, as a way of just saying, God, we acknowledge that, Father, we want to relentlessly trust you and faithfully obey you today. And so, God, we, we just give you these next few moments. Um, we, of course, have given you this whole day, but these next few moments specifically and ask that your Holy Spirit would move in this room, move in our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and do what you would desire to do within us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? And as I've already mentioned, the altar's open. Our prayer team will be available. We can respond to the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.